DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. David Locke's going to join us in a minute. Ryan Smith, Jazz Majority Owner, Ralph Salt Lake Minority Owner, will join us at 8 o'clock. PK, the Jazz have had their full lineup for most of the year. A couple times they've missed guys. Donovan Mitchell missed a couple games. Conley's missed some, not all of the back-to-backs, some. But tonight, a different deal. This is uh, really not even going to look like the Jazz, is it? Not that we know, but, you know, I've always said, if you're going to do something, don't do it half you know what. Go all the way. And they're going all the way. (laughs) Don't do it half you know what. If you're going to sit guys and leave them in Indiana, sit them all and leave them. So any of the guys who are going to play tonight, we can talk about this with David Locke in a minute. Any of the guys who are going to play tonight, uh, get your attention, intrigue you, or this lineup is so set it doesn't really matter yeah absolutely it intrigues me for sure yeah it's it, the reason why i watched the summer league uh you know as had a bunch of rebounds in the summer league so what can he do now i assume he's going to get more than the 16 minutes he got the other night right so let's see if he can use his big body because he's a massive human being for sure yeah so you know what, what what kind of presence can he make himself be if i'm these guys i couldn't be more excited Absolutely. If I'm the guy, if I'm the guys who aren't playing, I'm just seriously miffed that tomorrow's game isn't in Miami. <laughs> okay, nice. Let's have a day off in South Florida instead of a day off in Central Indiana. Yeah, I mean, no offense to Central, Central Indiana. Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, we would be offended if someone said, well, "I don't want a day off in Salt Lake. I want a day off in uh, Los Angeles or San Francisco." No, I wouldn't. If it's in the uh, first week of January, you uh, would understand. I, I want yeah, a, I, mean, I want a day off in Phoenix. Yeah, you're going weather. I'm just going weather. I mean, that, Miami just happens to have the weather. Uh, so for those guys, yeah, put your feet up, relax, do what you got to do. I don't know who's going to be available tomorrow. It doesn't look like Joe and Rudy Gobert are going to be available. I'm not sure. Uh, but for the the kids who have an opportunity to play tonight. Go Wally Pip somebody. I mean, it's unlikely that it's <laughs> unlikely that it's going to happen, but that would be my mindset. So, yeah. Actually, I mean, I don't expect them to win the game, but because of this circumstance, I'm still counting my 17-3. and three. Oh, you're taking a mulligan? I have to. Come on. <laughs> this isn't really the team. Right. If no you missed it, Ingles win. is out, Gobert is out, Conley is out, Bogey is out, Mitchell is out, and Royce O'Neal, Hassan Whiteside, Jordan Clarkson, and Rudy Gay are all questionable. So, a shadow of their former selves. All right, it's time to bring in the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. He joins us uh, every Friday here on the Zone Sports Network. His weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning, David James, Patrick Kinahan, and I'm two of my favorite people to talk to first thing in the morning. Uh, we're great. We're at work. So am I. So are you. Apparently not all the Jazz players are. I assume that you are doing a lot more homework on the Jazz for this game than you would normally have to. I am. I mean, I think I'm going to just sit around all day and prep a lot of Trent Forrest, Malik Fitz, Jared Butler, Udoka Azabuke for the Doka Dunk. What else we got today? Elijah Hughes started his career at Eastern Carolina, then went to Syracuse. What else do you want to know? Kind of know all there is to know about these guys. There hasn't been a lot new in two years to add to the list, quite honestly. 
What can you tell Jazz fans about Daniel House, who just signed the 10-day contract? That way the clock doesn't start running. We've heard about it for a while, but don't sign it and don't start the clock. Uh, what, right. what do you know about him? So my instinct on this one is it actually might be a little bit more than like a 10-day contract. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he doesn't end up being a part of the roster. You know, with Mia One going, um, the, he's actually cheaper than Mia Oni. He's probably better than Mia Oni. Um, so he really played, he played about 75% of his possessions in Houston with Harden. So that tells me a few things. One, he can defend a little bit. He can, he can guard because when Harden's on the floor, Harden's not guarding. So you need someone out there. Two, he can shoot it because Harden's going to create it and get it for you. Shot it about 36, 38%, I think 36 predominantly percent while in, so he and he's got a great body, right? He's six six two hundred. Like it's kind of the piece of the that's the you know the body we don't have on our roster. So it makes sense that um, and fits us talking to some people around the league. They say he can dribble a little bit. He can pass. Um, this was interesting. I said to someone like, "Well, what about defensively?" They're like, oh, he's not going to matter defensively. You have Gobert. What do you need?" I said, "Well, give me like Joe." Eagles. He's like, "Oh, way better." Boy, I'm like, "Oh, it's like he's like way better." I was like, "Royce O'Neal." He's like, "Better." And I was like, "Whoa." Like, Royce O'Neal's our best defender. So um, so that leads me to believe that if he can kind of assimilate and get what we're doing and got his head screwed on right and is, is all lined up, that he might be here for longer than just a 10-day contract. So you'd rather have House than more roster flexibility at the trade deadline? Uh, we were, I don't know that you need more than one spot at the deadline. But okay. maybe, I mean... You know, so what? You do a three for one deal and you want to keep all the players and you have to release house and you just release house. Right? Right. That, well, yeah, yeah. But I'm thinking, do you think that house might be better for what they need than what they could get out there? Um, he might be. I've played a lot of minutes. He did not have very good playoff runs um, against us. He had one decent playoff series against. Um, Oklahoma City, and then out of four, one against the Warriors. But he's been there, right? He's played those moments. Um, yeah, I, I really think it's probably a question of uh, roster buyout. I, I, I don't see us being able to do an awful lot of the trade deadline. Maybe I'm wrong. Danny's, you know, Danny, Justin's always been very aggressive. Danny's been very creative. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I, I just don't see the trade deadline super interesting this year because with the play in 20 of 30 teams now make the playoffs so suddenly 24 of 30 teams think they're in it and then the teams at the top the Clippers the Lakers the Jazz the Warriors the Nets um, the Bucks a little bit have very little roster flexibility and very few kind of chips to throw in the middle of the table to make deals right now and so I, I, I'll be curious to see. I mean, there's these massive names floating around. Ben Simmons, Jeremy Grant, Damian Lillard, probably in the wrong order, um, of players that might make a really big impact. But on the other end, it, it's hard for me to figure out, like, how anyone's acquiring any of them. You know, Jeremy Grant is probably a first-round draft pick and maybe a young player. Like, we're probably not doing that. Like, our first-round draft picks get pretty deep in there to a level where we're not going to have any idea what our roster is, and that's a pretty risky move. So I guess the biggest thing then would be who wants to unload money, because you're talking basketball deals, but what about money deals? I think 14 teams are over the luxury tax number. 
Six teams are over it by 15 million or more. So there's a chance the Jazz would move a salary, take back a, a deal someone considers bad, you know, a longer deal, and but get a good young player who's inexpensive in the process. That's been done before. Do you think that kind of deal could be looming out there? I can't. I can't see us taking on salary. We're pretty far into the luxury tax. I I actually could see us making a subtle another Mia Oni move. Like that Mia Oni savings the other day, maybe it doesn't move the meter for a jack, you know, a fan. And I get it. I wouldn't really care either. But for the books, like I think they saved close to two point five million dollars, right? By releasing Oni. If it's so your two and a half million, if it's your two and a half million dollars, that would get your that would get your attention. Two and a half million dollars is a lot. So. Yeah, maybe Ryan Smith's worth whatever, but he's not throwing. We're not throwing away two point five million dollars for players that don't play. Like I'm really glad Trent Forrest has played well because Trent Forrest, though the rules changed a little bit with the two way, Trent Forrest was coming up on some. Maybe this he could make himself a million, but it was going to cost the team like three and a half. And my reaction was like, I really like Trent Forrest. I think he's really good. He's not worth three and a half. I'm going to let him go. I think he's actually earned himself a spot in a way that's really nice to see. But, like, you know, quite frankly, there's some other guys on the roster that, you know, it's it's a tough call when it suddenly gets down to the, for no production at all, you're paying $3 million. That's a lot. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> Hard to argue with that. Uh, how much do you think, I don't want to go too crazy, but this is Azubuke's chance to show what he has. Yeah, I just really feel as though the world has conspired against his development. Uh, and so I don't have high hopes. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, he comes out of the draft. I got my timing right. He comes out of the draft in the COVID, the COVID year, right? That, that, he's the COVID class, the, the first. So there's no workouts. There's no summer league. There's virtually no training camp. There's really no G League. There's the G League bubble, which he gets hurt in immediately. Like, last year's an utter complete waste. The most impressive thing to me about him in sense of growth is that his body was actually all right last night. The book on him, as big as he is, is that every time he's been hurt or been off the court for an extended period of time, understandably, he gains a little weight, and then he's got, he has to really work to get back in shape. I mean, I thought he looked like he could have died, but he was at altitude against Nikola Jokic, so five minutes in, I didn't think it was a bad thing. He looked like he was going to die. I actually was impressed that he went that long. So, um, but then you then you look at like this offseason, he's rehabbing the ankle. He's now back into like he goes into G League. He gets hurt again. Like he just hasn't had a chance. He's got so much development. He is not a second jump player. He's not a multiple action player. There's so much he has to learn. He's not afraid laterally going back on the pick and roll. And he just hasn't had a chance to do it. I, I'm not going to put this as a litmus test on where he is as a player or judge. I mean, it's a great chance, yes. But I'm not going to put a great – it would be like judging you in physics, but we didn't give you the textbook, and we only let you go to one class and – then you got pulled out of the other classes, and by the way, here's the final, and we're going to judge whether you're smart or not. So, yeah, probably not a great test. It's not. They didn't draft him based on those judgments. They drafted him because they thought they saw something in him. Yeah. Yeah. 
Butler had a chance to show it again. Butler had all the fans fired up in the preseason, and you can see him beat people off the dribble, but then there's a whole hesitancy. Does he take a shot? Does he pass the ball? And the defense gets reset, and everything sticks, and screams a guy who needs more reps. It's what the G League is there for. Do you think he's gotten enough out of that, or are you going to repeat the, uh, the as a no, weak answer? I, I, I think he's having more of a traditional rookie year that's been actually productive, right? He went through a little bit of a training camp. He got a lot of preseason games. He then got a rude awakening. He's gone through the stretch where he's been have to think. He's thinking all the time. I think he's probably confused at why he doesn't play. Right, he's coming with a bundle of confidence. He's the final. He's the MVP of the Final Four. He thinks he should be playing. He still doesn't, you know, still confused what happened draft night. Like it's been a really hard stretch for this kid. But I think he's used the G League well. He still has an array of skills. He's still small, um, you know. But he has, I think, used some really good developmental time. And tonight's probably a night for him. And it's going to be interesting because actually, this is the worst matchup these kids could ever have. Like, if you're going to tell me one of 29 teams that you have to go up against as a young player who doesn't quite know the speed of the league yet, this would be the worst one. They're all 6'8", 220. They're all crazy fast. They're all crazy long. They trap. They come from every direction. They do everything that's athletic. They force turnovers and grab offensive rebounds. This is as bad a matchup as you can have if you're trying to find your footing in the NBA. How intrigued are you to see what Clay Thompson can do when he comes back as they're talking Sunday? I mean, that's the story of the – it's interesting, right? So is there a debtor time in the NBA to January 15th to, like, March 15th? And yet, in the next two months, we could have Clay – with that Kyrie return, we could have Clay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard, and Jamal Murray all come back. That, that's the story in the next two months. The West right now is three teams. And let's give credit to Memphis for being in the conversation. And it's actually, you know, the race is on for one. We're, what, two games back from Phoenix, one game back from the Warriors now? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the race is on for one. If we survive this this health and safety protocol stretch and not go too far back in, in this upcoming probably two weeks of players being in and out all the time. And if we do, then it's this race for one. Well, I actually think the race for one – to become even more important than ever before because let's give Memphis credit, say they hold it four, Dallas is five, you know, Denver is six with Jamal Murray and the Clippers are seven with Kawhi Leonard. Like, I want one. What did you think of the small ball lineup against Denver? I realize it may be a while before we see the whole team together. We'll have to see how this plays out. But that was an extended stretch. You would think Jokic could really punish the small ball lineup. Now, granted, he doesn't have enough around him. But what'd you think? Was that it looked like the best to me? The best that that group has performed. What are, What are your expectations for it in the second half of the season? So I thought the interesting one, frankly, was that I was. I almost think that they were kind of like done with it, right? It had been pretty, pretty awful, and I actually thought that they might have been at the point where they were done with it. We're not, we're not going back to it. So I kind of love and thought that how, you know, forced innovation, right? So they did it, and they finally figured out how to play offensively. More than defensively, they have been really terrible offensively with that lineup for the last um, 
you know, in all those times. They were in the zero percentile offensively in what they in what they were doing. Wait one second, guys. Love you. Have a good trip. Thank you. Um, uh, I love you, too. Okay. Um, you have a good trip. Are you going to St. George to play golf? Because she's going to L.A. to play golf. So what, are, you, are you jealous or are you going to St. George to play golf? Okay. So she should have gone to St. George with you to play golf. What if, I, if I trusted my 16-year-old daughter with you, I guess somebody already—I guess you already are raising one, so I probably should trust you with one also. Uh, yeah, trust me till I pull my hair out. But yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, should I have should you and you and Jackie want another kid for a little while? You can like take take her down, play a little golf, better. You know, Thanks you for know joining us. You can take for her? Thanks for joining us, David. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> okay. So anyway, back to back to the five out lineup. Um, I, you know, I really think that what they they got forced into it, and what was happening. Ron Boone was talking about this the whole time on the air. It was really interesting. You think of five out as having like all this space, right? Well, you actually have no space on the perimeter because you have five out. And we had nobody could drive, nobody could get anywhere. Guys were standing shoulder to shoulder. And finally, Royce O'Neal and Boyan and others started cutting and moving. And that opened up that offense a little more. It's very different than what we're used to, right? And so it's a hard adjustment. And it, I, the question is really going to be whether they can implement an entirely different offense and get them to figure out how to play that way, you know, without Rudy Gobert setting picks or Hassan Whiteside setting picks, which is the basis of everything else we run. He's David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz. He's got to go do more prep to get ready for a Jazz lineup that's going to look very different tonight in Toronto. Do you think I'm most gonna, of the... I'm going to prep the way PK does from, not from not 10, from noon to 4 every day. All right. All right. Thank you, David. See ya. DJ and PK, we've got to take a break right now. Ryan Smith, jazz majority owner and now minority owner in Rail Salt Lake. He will join us coming up in about 15 minutes right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.